sir. How you doing, boss? Doing well. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. All right, we're back. This is Cheers. Uh, last week was the test run. This is officially episode two of Two Guys, One Book. It was a test run of my bets as well. well didn't didn't go too well. Yeah, so. both of us were rocking around thirty percent on the uh, on the win column, so it was it, it wasn't it wasn't a good week at all. But um, want to welcome everyone back. He's Austin. I'm Austin. Um, gonna give you guys our weekly takes for sports and betting and who we who we really like this week. But most importantly, you know, let's not get carried away. We had a huge. NFL weekend that we're going to have to talk about. Most of it will be covered in our Super Bowl special next week. But, you know, both of us were on the Packers. Both of us were on the Bills. We both got burned pretty hard. Um, do you have any takeaways that you'd like to share with the people? Yeah, I mean, i to see what you have to say as the resident Packers expert. That'll be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was wrong on both games. The Bills were a bust. Uh, Packers minus three was tough. You can't bet against Tom Brady, even though I probably will next week again. But uh, I had a great live betting performance, which I want to just touch on a little bit. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Green Bay's, the chance of them getting an offensive touchdown on their next drive, was plus 225 every time in the second half. And I knew Aaron Rodgers was going to come back and make it competitive. So I hit that three times, won twice. Um, which, and you, you know, got Devontae. You got Devontae as the next touchdown scorer. Touchdown scorer, Devontae Adams, sure, plus 400, nailed it. Um, so I got Buffalo to score at one point on their next drive, so I was killing the live performance to make up for some of those bad overall game bets. Um, but, yeah, what, what do you think? What's your? Well, so what's what your... I'm hearing here is that live betting might honestly be a lot better. You get to see how the flow of the game is going. You get it's to just understand like, it. It was so obvious. Anybody who has watched – the foot, like football since Aaron Rodgers has been around, you know in that second half he was coming back and putting together some drives. Like in for plus two twenty five, that means every three great value. Great value. Positive. It, I mean it was it, Vegas doesn't understand live betting yet. I do. So let's just And Devontae at plus four hundred hadn't scored the entire game. Like yeah, Aaron I mean, was it, looking his way. It just yeah. it, it was, it was gonna work out. The- automatic Devontae, game over, plus four hundred. I'll take plus two twenty five on a touchdown as well. And then I lost it all on Conor McGregor, but that's fine. Yeah, you know what? We don't cover UFC. We don't cover boxing. No. It's uh, no. We Fair expect enough. the people to stay away from it. But um, yeah, I will, I will say it was, it was a disappointing weekend. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Actually, just recently, about 10 minutes ago, they decided that to part ways with their defensive coordinator. So oh, wow. Defensive coordinator's out. They fired their special teams coach. Um, so they're looking... Um, to get better on the coaching side. Um, so, you know, I always think change is good, especially, you know, when you don't get the result that you like. Um, weekend definitely didn't – was it tasted bitter knowing that the championship window is closing. And, um, you know, in my opinion, if he gets a new contract, like good for him. The dude's 37. He just threw for 48 touchdowns. Like yeah, no, you, no one deserves you- it more. Quick question: Have they moved on from Kevin King as well? Because that was one of the most. Embar- I mean, I literally thought I was watching Jets Raiders. Like, yeah. no, uh, <laughs> he literally uh, was a piece of burnt toast. Like that was <laughs> he was just burnt the I, entire game. What was he even playing there? Yeah. Um, so I, it's just the fact that we have Jair Alexander and anyone else like 
who's not as good as Jair is automatically going to look bad, but then Kevin King is also just bad to begin with. Um, right. Anyone was wondering, he is a free agent. I doubt he will be re-signed, and that position uh, will get addressed in the draft. Um, yeah. So definitely uh, not the best weekend that we were looking for, but huge weekend in two weekends. We'll talk about it more, but you know, initial reactions to Brady versus Mahomes, you know, who who do you think coming out of all of this will, when it's all said and done and the dust settles, not after this year, but, you know, in 30 years when you and I are retired, who will have the better legacy, Tom Brady yeah. or Patrick Mahomes? It's a good question. I, I like, before I, before I comment on that, I think it's such a rare opportunity we have in this Super Bowl of, like, the passing of a guard, like a legitimate, like, goat versus the upcoming goat. And I don't think there's any, like debate about that and and it's in a game that matters so much like it's it's the pinnacle of the sport like jordan kobe you know when we would watch those all-star games you watch those and everyone's like that was the passing of the guard you know jordan's talking to kobe whatever that game doesn't mean anything like this is a legit super bowl and it's it's the best player of our generation and then mahomes coming out for the next generation like i think it's incredible something you don't always get so um with that being said I mean, it's it's all judged on Super Bowls, right? And Brady is like, he's going to have six, uh, maybe seven. And I think it's getting harder and harder to, to have that type of dominance in the NFL. Um, just with like players having more say in their contracts, you know, wanting, it's not, it's not as easy to keep a team together. Um, so I just think purely because of that, Brady's going to have more Super Bowls, more of a legacy. Um, but I mean, if Mahomes can get it done against him this year, that would be quite the statement. I think he'd go to three and two against Brady, which is impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, say Brady loses. I mean, he still has six rings. He still has what? 10 Super or 11, 11 Super yep. Bowl appearances, 14 conference championship appearance, appearances, which for Super Bowl and conference championship, he's outpacing teams, like individual franchises. So, um, yeah. you know, say he stays at six and Mahomes gets to two, you know, he's got a lot of, lot of work to, and ground to make up. But, um, you know, if you got two by the age of 25 and Brady's still playing when he's 43 – well, uh, you know, definitely yeah. something something to be said. But um, didn't know if you saw this. It was an interesting stat. Um, Patrick Mahomes in one single game, I think his junior year at Texas Tech, they played Iowa State and they lost by fifty six points. And Patrick Mahomes, in all of his combined NFL losses, have has lost by a combined forty four points. So in all of his NFL career starts, he has lost by less points than in one singular game in college, which I thought was just mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I think I saw something. It might be in his whole career in the NFL. He hasn't lost by more than one score. I think yep, that's, that was, I think, or one possession, eight points, I think. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, which is... Um, which is incredible, and and we'll get we'll get to the line and everything. I think next week, but um, it's going to be so hard to bet that game. I just like I, it's. There's so many ways it could go. So. Initial initial bet is well. Austin has said live betting is the thing to go. So maybe you yeah you, no, say, you save your cash for halftime or something. Um, yeah. I think initial picks are it's got to be tails, and I'm absolutely throwing the farm on red Gatorade. I both I teams gonna, both Gatorade. teams have are, have red colors. I don't see it being anything else. It's got to yeah. be red Gatorade. Um, Who knows? It could be Cheez-Its, though. That would be electric. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know, uh, especially in uh, in this year. But uh, yeah. we'll have more um, NFL coverage for you guys next week. But right now we're going to move on to the NBA. Um, 
you and I had talked about a little bit of it last week. Both really weren't uh, doing too well. Uh, you beat me on the on the Knicks uh, Kings game yep. last <laughs> last week, so I have to tip my cap to you on that. You won. Um, initial initial reactions of your picks, what you saw, um, what what you should have seen coming, or what should have been better. Yeah, um, I, we talked, or at least I talked a lot about the Nets last week um, because uh, it was only a two game sample, I think, of Harden and. Um, I kind of like what the Nets are doing. It was I, I was saying Kyrie's got to take less shots and they got to have more balance. And I was looking at some of the scores. I think they swept the Heat in low scoring games, which is which is kind of interesting considering the Nets don't have a great defense. But it shows that they can kind of win with that balance, and Kyrie doesn't have to take thirty shots. Like I was saying, he's taking less shots. They're distributing between them three pretty even amount of shots, still keeping Joe Harris involved. So I really like what they're doing. Um, and then we'll get into some of these bets that I have for the week, but I am obsessed now with NBA first half overs. I think that the second half of NBA games is the most unpredictable thing that they can lock down on defense or they can just decide to have a scrimmage and, and put up, you know, 80 points in a quarter. So it's so annoying to watch NBA fourth quarters. So I just bet the first half overs because essentially there's not a lot of strategy. I've noticed it's just the guys getting their reps in for the first half and uh, people just put up shots. I love it. I've got a bunch of first half overs for tonight, but what, what were you? Th- what were your thoughts? Well, so I think it's going to be interesting. Durant's out now, and Durant we've talked about has that chemistry with Harden from OKC. Now, how right. is Durant going to work with Kyrie? Because you know Durant has the ability to come off the ball and is can be more of a spot up shooter. Where yeah. Harden and Kyrie are almost like ISO players that take a thousand dribbles per possession. And now how are they going to mesh when they're on the floor at the same time? Um, So I think that's going to be something to watch. I texted you earlier this week. I was really happy that the Bucks ended up covering. Um, For anyone that didn't see that, it was a horrible bad beat for anyone that had Raptors plus six and a half. The original line that I had was minus seven. Um, Clock was running out. Giannis went for a dunk with two seconds left to – put it from six to an eight-point victory. So I hung on to that. But for anyone else, I can unequivocally experience, and I have experienced your pain that you are yeah. that you are feeling. Uh, that was definitely a, a bad beat of the week. Um, so you talked about how you're obsessed with some NBA first-half overs this week. So um, wh- what, what games are you focusing on this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, so I've got uh, tonight, we've got the Jazz Mavericks, and all of these, it's it's interesting, they're all usually around 111 to 115, but I found the sweet spot, 113.5 for the first half, Jazz Mavs over, Nuggets Spurs tonight over, Pelicans Bucks, I think they'll be at 140 by the end of the first half, hammer that over, and then I've got Milwaukee first half, minus 3.5, so I'm crushing the first half bets tonight, ride with me. Um, and it, it's, you just count basically 60 each quarter is all you need first and second quarter. And usually, I mean, I've been pretty successful. So the one thing I've learned about the bucks is that they just, you need to hammer their overs. They always, they love scoring points. Um, so it's so I, hard to watch a game when you've bet the bucks under, because the only way you're going to win is if they don't make, if they don't make shots, but like they'll never, you'll think, Oh, they might slow down this possession. And then they just shoot it up the court. Take a take a shot in four seconds, and it's like it's not it's not fun. I, I think rooting for and cheering for overs is is more fun. Like you want more offensive firepower. Like yeah. you know that's what gets people to tune in. Like sure, bad defense is one thing that 
you know, the commentators and the analysts, the people that are above our pay grade get to call out. But I mean, yeah. we're just, we're just common folk here. Like we like high scoring games. That's, that's who <laughs> we are. Um, do you, uh, do you have any player props? Cause I got a couple as well. So I, I've been scouring FanDuel, but FanDuel doesn't come out with player props until the day of. So I'll have to get back and update it, but I'm telling you right now, Zach Levine points over. Let's get after it. The guy's averaging 27 points a game. He is the go-to player on the Chicago Bulls. He is the number one, two, and three option for the team. I mean, I don't see – and he's playing the Portland Trailblazers, who we saw last night let the Rockets kind of just run right through them. They really weren't playing any defense. Um I I have to believe that Zach Levine will score more points. I uh my my first impression is that his points line should be somewhere around 24 25. I would say hammer that. Um hammer that for the over. That's the only player prop I have. What do what do you have? Yeah, so I have got and, and again I so we we've been talking about since some of these lines don't come out till day of. We're probably going to run a Twitter page for those interested and we'll put our we'll put our daily bets on there, but I'll get the handle out. Uh, soon but yeah my player props uh Bradley Beal tonight under 32 and a half he went off they lost they're two and seven he has been going off the man has been averaging close to 40 points in their last 10 games yeah but they're horrible when he goes off so maybe he tones it down and the Hawks are surprisingly good at defense and they shut down if there's a number one scoring option they'll try and shut that down as best as possible because they got some good perimeter defense but I've got that and then I've got Giannis over rebounds we usually hit the under on that we about it but his he's at over 12 and a half for plus 140 which is great value i think um especially against the pelicans zion misses a lot of inside shots he'll grab those and then someone needs to find me i can't find it jokic plus 800 for mvp i see it everywhere on the tv i think it's a lock he's dominating the league the nuggets are going to get to the top four in the west he's going to win the mvp so i need to find that somewhere so so you brought up the jazz um on their First half over, I think you said. Yeah. Um, the Jazz yeah. quietly have won their last 10 games. They've won 10 yeah. in a row. Donovan Mitchell's in the concussion protocol, so it's showing that a team that normally he is the, you know, he is the powerhouse of that cell, that they're able to win without him. I think that's something that bodes very well for the Utah Jazz going forward. And not then when he comes back, I think they should be just ready to run through a brick wall. So I absolutely love that. Um, I got I got to, you know, talk about the, the Clippers tonight. They get Kawhi and Paul George back. They'll probably be yeah. limited in some sense, but only yeah. minus six and a half um, versus, versus the Magic. I, I see this turning into to a blowout easily. You don't think they'll be slow coming off? I, I mean, it showed uh, the Clippers beat the the Heat. Granted, the Heat definitely aren't the team that they were in the in the NBA Finals, right? Th- this past year, and um, Jimmy Butler hasn't been playing. So, I mean, they've been a mess. But you you have your two star players in Kawhi and Paul George, and and you're showing that you can win without them. I think that getting them back in any sense will uh, just absolutely blow the six and a half point spread out of the water. Um, okay. The next one that I absolutely love, absolutely love, 76ers minus seven versus the Timberwolves. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are out. The Timberwolves in their last 15 games, they're 2-13, and 13, losing by an average of 14.5 points. They are just right, it is so ripe to, to pick the 76ers tonight and just know that 
the Timberwolves are going to get annihilated. I am, I am here for it. I'm waiting and I'm ready for it. And this is after me calling Ben Simmons last week garbage and an absolute liability to the team. You know, I want them to just go ahead and curb stomp the Wolves tonight. But this feels, this feels like that NBA game where it's a trap. I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. They're the better team. They should win. It just feels like one of those, the Sixers are going to lay down a little bit, but I mean, they are kind of a new team this year with, with how they're playing. So maybe they just put their foot down and, and stop them. But we'll see. The last one that I, I want to talk about is one for tomorrow. Um, and I was able to get the line for it. It's Houston plus one versus the Pelicans. Houston gets tonight off after beating Portland last yep. night. And they're going to play the Pelicans after the Pelicans play the Bucks tonight. And I can guarantee you that... The Bucks game tonight isn't going to be easy, and they're going to get worn down. Just how you mentioned, you want you're expecting Giannis to go off. The Bucks yeah. are a force in fast break and three point shooting. They're going to mop the floor with the Pelicans. I don't expect the Pelicans to come out really great tomorrow. Plus, can we mention that Houston, since James Harden has left, the Rockets have the best defensive rating in the league. Yeah, they're killing it. They're killing it. They're absolutely killing it. And the Pelicans, you know, aren't this superstar team um you have lonzo and jj reddick in trade rumors i don't see them really having a lot to play for right now i'm taking houston plus one okay all okay. right well, let's move on to college hoops then staying with the basketball we uh another chaotic week in the league um kind of like what we're talking about a lot of unexpected stuff and kind of going along with that you know the rankings are always hard to tell you think someone's ranked high and then they get swamped so What's, what's a team that you think is ranked too high and too low um, in this week's AP Top 25? So I really wasn't able to find one that I thought was ranked too high, but too low. Well, first off, I guess it's not really too high. Louisville shouldn't be ranked. Louisville, okay. is, Louisville is a trash team. They are, they are ranked number 25, so if I guess I have to give it to anyone, they're, they're, I guess they're ranked. They shouldn't be ranked. I, they lost to Clemson the other day. They just don't have the team this year i know they've had the team in years past but i, I just yeah. don't see it so they're they're a little too high for me the team yeah. that i think is is uh ranked too low is houston i am all over them they just put a beat down on tulane the other night um yep. i am all over houston i think that they are going to Erase, partially, just partially erase the blemish of Houston sports um, for the last three months and get people excited again. I'm really all in on Houston. Um, for yeah, the next people forget they they they've been doing well in the tournament, so don't forget about them come tourney time. Uh, they were the Jordan Pool half court shot against Michigan away from I think the Elite Eight, maybe the Sweet Sixteen, and so they, they're they're always a player come March for sure. What about what about you? Who are who are you down on or who are you up on this week? So I think Florida State is a popular pick to keep rising. Um, but again, it's it's even without the fans, it's the same thing. They dominate at home. They always have been dominant there. And they've only played two games on the road all year, and one of the one of which they lost. So they've got four straight on the road coming up in the next two weeks. So we'll see we'll see how they handle that. But I do think that they they gotta be respected. Virginia pains me to say it, because uh, I'm not a big Virginia fan, but you got to keep respecting them. They're a seasoned veteran team. They're not going to be distracted by COVID or no fans. In Ken Palm, we talked about those rankings last week. They're 10th on offense and 14th on defense. So they've got good balance. Um, but in terms of a team that's overhyped, uh, I hate to say it because I do like watching them, but Kansas. Okay. Um, I, 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 think, can get, I can get on board with that. 
Yeah, I think the Big Twelve is strong. There's a lot of teams there that are that are kind of giving them a run for their money, and they just they feel like they don't have that dominant scorer. They're relying a lot on their defense this year, which is fine. But I think teams are showing that they can beat them if they've got the you know the offensive firepower. Um, so they'll always be in games, but I just think that right now it's the name recognition that's keeping them in the top, um, and and really they haven't looked that great. Yeah, I think they're ranked four or fifth in the recent AP. Um, as you mentioned, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but the Big 12 is just loaded. I mean, even with teams that aren't really even ranked, like TCU um, has has a good program. Oklahoma State. You Oklahoma know, State gave Baylor a run for their money. Yeah, yeah, and Oklahoma is, I think, 24th, another Big 12 team. And then you got Texas Tech, West Virginia. You have Baylor. You have Texas. I mean, it's absolutely loaded. So... Um, if if those teams can you know get uh, not get the COVID bug and you know right. they're not derailed like you know Michigan is right now that they're that's the conference to watch heading into the tournament. Um, for but sure. heading into a couple picks for this week and what we're super high on. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't talk about it last week, but it's Drake Drake to the moon right now. Drake is thirteen and zero against the spread they erased like a 15 point deficit um the other night and covered minus three and a half i don't see how this team is going to go wrong if if you want a safe bet it's drake ats that that's just, what you to, just know. to clarify for the people they're 15 and 0 they're 15 and 0 against the spread like they're not they're not just undefeated they're they're beating teams and covering um every single time which is incredible they've 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 walked the tightrope a little bit in these last two games i think they've covered by one point each time but um yeah it's been fun to watch them and and later on in the season they'll play the you know the tourney darlings loyola chicago i saw they have a two-game series with them so and they're they're good again this year so that'll be that'll be something to watch out later on just, just a reminder good teams win great teams cover great that's, teams cover. that's great that's, currently is the best team in college basketball um I think I saw you put it into one of your picks of the week, but I am all over Iowa plus three versus Illinois. Iowa is getting no love. They had to sit out a couple games, and they had a really rusty performance against Indiana. Illinois just lost to Ohio State and Maryland. I, you know, I love the Big Ten in that they're pretty deep in terms of basketball talent, but Iowa's not getting enough love. Iowa plus three. You're getting three points. Um, I, I, I don't see how Illinois – comes back from this. I think Illinois is playing, they're playing at home, but I mean, yep. with no fans, with no, like nothing, I expect Luca Garza to, you know, really put the team on his back and carry Iowa in this one. Yeah. I, um, I, I, the Illinois, Iowa game, it's been pumped up this week. It's kind of a huge rivalry game. They don't seem to like each other, which for that reason, I'm staying away from the spread. I just, it, if it's anything like any games this year, it's going to be something we do not expect at all. So it could be an Illinois blowout, it could be a close game. Like, I just have no idea. There's two competitive teams. Um, but you're right. Illinois, really, in these big games that they've played, they haven't looked great. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I do like Iowa, but I'm staying away from the spread. And betting aside, I think if you're just a fan of college basketball and you want a game to watch tomorrow, I'm all over Alabama and Oklahoma. Oklahoma yep. just yep. beat Texas and Kansas, and Alabama has won 10 in a row. So these are two teams. I think Alabama's ranked ninth and Oklahoma's twenty-four. So you got two twenty-five teams. Normally, don't match up with each other when both are ranked in the well, top twenty-five. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right, and I and I think they're they're matching up in that SEC Big Twelve Challenge, which has got some some good games in it. So normally, yeah. normally this is a football matchup that we, that we'd be all over, but right. for college basketball, I think that you know if you, I think it's I think it might be like an eleven a.m. or a noon game. Wake up, a little hungover tomorrow morning. Turn this on, sit on the couch. Um, it'll it'll be a good Saturday afternoon. Normally, this is like a like a sixty-two to twenty-seven football score in the in the college football semifinal, Alabama, but. Uh, which honestly, my Alabama man put up sixty-two in the first half the way they're shooting the ball. But yeah, but moving on to the MLB, we're gonna have a little bit of a shorter segment since not much has happened this week. But before we get get on anything, I gotta get your take. So, room, uh, um, news reports came out this morning that Jock Peterson signed a one-year, seven million dollar deal with the Cubs. Um, Jock was with the Dodgers last season. Um, he's an outfielder, and the Cubs are signing him looking to replace the holes of Kyle Schwarber and Albert Almora, who they um, didn't re-sign in free agency. Initial initial uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, it, uh, it'll. Uh, I'll, I'll touch more on it in the let's make a deal. Uh, okay. I won't say my best and worst free, uh, trade deal of the week or free agent deal of the week, but um, yeah, I essentially see it as a, as a replacement for Schwarber. Um, I guess it shows that maybe we're committed to, to trying in the NL Central this year, but I'm not a big fan, but I'll get into more of it yep, later. Yeah, we can definitely touch on it later. Um, the other big headline out of the MLB this week was that no one made uh, the Hall of Fame this year. So every single year they have so many people on the ballot and no one was inducted this year. No one got enough votes. Kurt Schilling was the closest, I believe, mm-hmm. with 71% of the votes. Um the big takeaway is that Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds were at the top of the list. Um, all of them have been. Kurt Schilling has had a, um, I say, a storied uh, personality and has had some personal issues. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds have both been um, accused, and uh, I think for both of them have been proven of using performance enhancing drugs uh, right. illegally and. and the- the big deal is that they've only got one year left, right? So I think, and I think usually people get more votes as it goes on, you know, in the years on the ballot, and this is their, you know, penultimate year. So, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens next year. The thing that I found interesting to me, Kurt Schilling is the most interesting because I think that's more so just based on his comments, you know, after retiring as a player, right? And and not to get political or anything, you know, some of it is is kind of crazy, and who knows if he's all there, but like. A lot of these people in the Hall of Fame are not all stand-up character people. It's not the Hall of Fame for character. It's the Hall of Fame for baseball. I mean, you it's, know. It's, it's what you did on the field, and he dominated. He dominated. Mm-hmm. I just I don't understand how he – It's it, there's this moral high ground for these voters who didn't play the game, and, and I don't know. I, I'm kind of I'm fed up with that. But one thing I want to ask you before I get to your take is Sammy Sosa is also on the ballot. How much, how much of the vote do you think he got this year? Um, I know that they came out with the percentages, um, yeah. and the ones that I, 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 I will admit, I didn't see what percentage Sammy Sosa got. I was interested in seeing the percentage shift between Clemens and Bonds from last year, and they only right. moved up a, a couple, in a finance term, basis points. They moved yeah. fractional percentages. Um, the biggest mover this year was Scott Rowland, who I think was up 17%. Um, but I, I have to side with you. I think that you know in, it should be all about what you did playing the game. However, if you want to look at Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, how they partook in the game in this illegal sense of using right. steroids, or that their game was 
was altered by using steroids. Now that is a completely different argument than Kurt Schilling who did it naturally and then had some choice comments after he retired. So I I think that's something that's interesting in that um, Kurt Schilling even had said that he wanted himself to be taken off of the ballot and be removed, um, that he didn't agree with um, the writers and how they, and how they voted. Um, I, I can relate to his frustration. I could totally understand that. I mean, this is a man who poured his heart and soul out for the Red Sox and had one of the most iconic uh, game seven pitching matchups yeah. in in baseball history with the the bloody sock and everything. I mean, his name is going to be written all over history, whether or not he's in the Hall of Fame. But I, I know that it's definitely something that he wants. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone's interested, I'd look into Jeff Passan, the the beat writer. He he removed himself from voting from the Hall of Fame and, and wrote like kind of a scathing response on why he thought that um, it's kind of a ridiculous you know, voting structure now. And these people have this moral high ground that they don't deserve to stand on. So good article, but, uh, let's move, let's move on some more news out of the MLB with, uh, they decided to nix the universal DH and expanded playoffs. What do you think? So, I mean, we touched on it last week, how we really wanted the MLB to kind of do everything in its power to spice up games and to really get fans into it. Um, and you know, I thought this universal DH and, you know, um, I think they're still going to keep the extra innings rule and the double headers. Um, but you know, I, I gotta say, I, I was a huge fan of the DH. I thought that, you know, this was the perfect season, a test run it in, you know, in a, in a shortened season. But I, I have to say that I was a little disappointed that, that it didn't go through. And plus, you know, I, I'm okay with the expanded playoffs. I mean, you know, I, I've, we both have been Cubs fans. We both have been most definitely in in the role where we're not even remotely close to making the playoffs. So it's not like that one spot in each league is really going to, you know, was really going to change us or, you know, we're not, you know, right there. But I want to talk about the Marlins. The Marlins were the benefit of the last playoff seed this past year, and they went on to beat the Cubs. So, I mean, it shows that just because you might not be playoff material in the league's eyes is that you can go in to a playoff game and still perform relatively well because, you know, it was all covered in Moneyball that you can play 162 games out of the season, but, you know, it's the yeah. next, it's the next three games. It's, you know, yeah. it's, if you can yeah. go, you know, two and oh, that's what really matters. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a hard disagree on the expanded playoffs. I think, 162 games are played to, to determine who is the most consistently good and better team, right? And, and, and the regular season has to mean something. If we've got eight teams in each, divi- in each conference uh, coming into the playoffs, like that's over half of the teams. And it's the same, com- it's the same complaint with the NBA um, where they say, you know, like so many teams make the playoffs – um, and these seven and eight seeds never really have a chance. The reason they don't is because they have to they have to play seven game series against these top dogs. In the MLB, they were playing two out of three sets, which is essentially just a weekend series. And like anybody at any time, if they get enough luck, if they've got one dominant pitcher, they could they could knock off a top seed. And then your 162 games that you worked for that is is just gone. Like I just think that. Three out of five almost seems a little gimmicky too, but the four out of seven really proves in the long run who the better team is, I think. Um, so I, I just think that, that eight teams in each league, for if you're going to play that many games in a season, um, I don't know, I think it just ruins the regular That's season. That's true. I guess, you you know, it's either one or the other, but I think it adds this like March Madness component to it. It adds excitement. 
No doubt. It's, no it's doubt. more or, unexpected and a, yeah. a, there's a lot more things that can happen. And, you know, then that's the point that those 162 games get thrown out of the window and it's all about the next, you know, three games that all that, all that matter. But um, the last news article out of the MLB this week was that they're going to host the first ever MLB draft combine. Um, I want to I get your thoughts on that. Originally, my take was that I think it's a great way to meet the players. You know, for the NFL, that's where you really get to see um, the players' attributes, their statistics, and how they can really perform on almost, I guess, this very large stage of everyone watching. Um, you know, and I think this will be a way since a lot of those prospects spend the vast majority of their time in, you know, the minors to, you know, see what they've got and then to try to, um, you know, see who your, who your team selected and, you know, what, what their best characteristics are. Yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll generate more excitement to the to the league in a in a year round fashion for sure. It'll give it'll give um, fans more visibility into their farm systems and kind of get excited about some of those young prospects coming out of high school, even though they might not see them for three or four years. But it's still fun to track. Um, so so I love it. Uh, I think it's just better visibility. It'll track more young fans. I don't necessarily know what they're gonna track like an NFL comp you know in the NFL athleticism I think matters a bit more than than in baseball um but I also just found out there's no NFL combine this year which I think is crazy and we can talk about that later I don't get that at all but uh but yeah what are your thoughts on the MLB combine um yeah I mean like I said I think it's gonna be a great way to to meet prospects that you normally don't get like a data read on I think a lot of it's gonna be more pitching oriented is that you're gonna get a lot more um speed um, in terms of velocity, how you track pitches, what types of pitch they have in terms of, um, ball rotation, um, in terms of, there's just a lot more statistics in pitching, right? In terms of saber metrics and a lot more data that can be collected. I think that'll be what the MLB is after to try to get a sense on, um, you know, who these players are and, you know, how they can try to match them up to their pro comparison. But, Right. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I'm a fan of it. We're going to move on to... Let's uh, get to some segments. Yeah, so we're going to move on to our, our bottom line segment. And the first question that I have for you is, what is more likely, Aaron Rodgers leaving the Green Bay Packers or Deshaun Watson being traded to the New York Jets? Um, so I didn't, I didn't really buy the whole overreaction to Rodgers' statements after the game. I thought it was just coming off a bad, you know, a, a, a sour loss. Um, but Deshaun Watson is not going to the not going to the New York Jets. He's got 16 teams. If you think about teams that could use an upgrading quarterback, that are probably willing to trade for him, and he wants to go to a team that is committed to winning and has shown through their ownership and their GM and some of the trades and draft picks that they've made that they're here to win. So why in the world would you go to the New York Jets who don't know who they're going to go to the quarterback, have a new head coach, and have no talent around him to make him better? So I, I just I, I don't get it. That makes no sense to me. And there's so many other teams in the in the league that will give an offer to the Texans, and somewhere Deshaun will want to go. To- totally understand. I mean, I would hate if Aaron Rodgers left, but I also similarly can't see Deshaun Watson saying, "Hey, I'd love a trade, but I want to go to the New York Jets." Just right. you know, those two things aren't aren't ever in the same sentence. It, it just doesn't happen. But unless so- he's trying to all with me in the in the summit. Uh, <laughs> Complex, Show them around the financial district and everything yeah. like that. Exactly. Um, well, now that we're talking about quarterbacks, um, Matt Stafford was also a quarterback that was thrown around in some trade talks this week um, that he's going to 
him and the Detroit Lions are parting ways. Um, so where do you think uh, is what do you think is the best fit for Matt Stafford? The teams that have originally been linked to that to Matt are the Saints, the 49ers, and the Colts. What do you think is the best fit for him? Yeah, just looking at those three, um, I mean, I just don't see them going uh, inside the conference if the, if they're gonna. Are, I, they're they're gonna trade him, right? He's not done mm-hmm. with his deal. Yeah, so I, I don't think they're gonna trade him inside the conference. Um, and I, and I also think that the Colts make a ton of sense. I think he's a better quarterback than Philip Rivers was last year, um, and makes them an immediate contender for a wild card or the AFC South division. Um, which is really what they're looking for with that team. Kind of like what we were talking about last week. Like it'd be an upgrade over Brissett. So it makes sense for the Colts. And I think Stafford would love to go there, especially behind that line with Quentin Nelson. Like he'll be a bit more protected than he was at, uh, in Detroit. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally about that. You know, in terms of the NFC North, Matt Stafford, I think, has always been the number two quarterback. I mean, he's always been sort of living in Aaron Rodgers' shadow, no matter right. who the Vikings right. or the Bears have had as quarterback. And I think, you know what, this is his time to to go win. There was an interesting statistic I saw the other day that it was since Matt Stafford has entered the league, he has the most fourth quarter comebacks. But in that sp- in that same time span, he also has the most losses. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean. He's great in the fourth quarter, but then the Lions don't play defense. He right. scores two. <laughs> uh, well, good. I, so we touched on the Nets and, and the Hall of Fame. But so back to college basketball, just a quick reaction. Battle of the bigs, Big Ten or Big 12? Who do you have? Better so I, I mean, this this feeds into the next question. Is Michigan a one seed? Um, you know, they, they released the initial bracket projections and everything like that. And um, I think the Big 10 and the Big 12 both have at least like seven or eight teams making the conference or making the 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 tournament. Um, one, I don't think Michigan's a one seed, especially with this COVID issue that they've got going on. I think it's really going to hurt them. I think they're, I mean, they'll definitely be a two, if not a three seed. But honestly, I've seen way more explosive firepower out of the Big 12 in terms of Baylor, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia being able to score points. And I mean the big the Big Ten is just way more old fashioned. It's take your time, play defense, don't turn the ball over. So it's it's a lot different, you know, styles of play, but I, I gotta go with the Big Twelve on this one. Yeah, I'm the same way. It, it, it reminds me a lot of um, the last couple of years when it was ACC or Big Ten, and a lot of people would say that the ACC had uh, the top-heavy teams that were better, but the Big Ten was deeper. I think with the Big 12, their top can match up with the Big Ten easily. Baylor is the best team out of either conference. Texas Tech and Texas are for real. And Kansas, I said they were too high, but I, I'm, like I said, they'll make a game out of any of those teams, Big Ten. So I think the top-heavy, Big 12 for sure. And then who knows about those bottom teams just because no one's really played out of conference. You know, we're not sure. But for now, I'd have to go Big 12. And then with the Michigan being the one seed, yeah, the, the really only the other case for a, a really hot team that then got paused by COVID was Clemson, and it hurt them a ton. Uh, they're nowhere to be found now. They're losing games left and right. So that could be the case with Michigan too, especially in the competitive conference. So, uh, yeah, let's move okay. on to the last section of the bottom line. You were the one that posed this question. Um, yep. Is Donovan Mitchell a superstar? So we talked about the Jazz a little bit earlier on. Um, yep. So, you know, he's kind of in this borderline situation where – you know, he's the icon for the Jazz, but he might not completely be on that level of, you know, superstar. What, what's your initial reaction? 
Yeah, so I, I got this um, from the Inside the NBA crew on TNT. I would highly recommend looking up when they interviewed him. Uh, it was super awkward. Shaq basically said, I don't think you have what it takes to be a superstar. And Donovan just, like, you know, shot back at him live time. It was great. But they started talking about it, and, and I kind of agree. They said, like, there's six different areas where you can, like, determine if you're a superstar. You've got to dominate three of them. So, like, points, assists, rebounds, pace, um, like leadership and some other things, but like I, he just doesn't dominate enough facets of the game. Like uh, Mose, you said that you took him to get a triple double at one point, mm-hmm. and right asked like, has he ever had one? He said zero. He's only had two games ever with ten plus rebounds or ten plus assists. So like he doesn't he doesn't really distribute it, even though he's got angles and he's got shooters around him and Gobert who's always diving to the rim, and he doesn't really get boards, even though he's an athletic guard. So. I don't know what he's doing for his 38 minutes a game. Obviously, he's a scoring machine, but I just don't think uh, he's a superstar. And, and this is the year to prove it, right? They're so hot. They're, they're getting at the top of the league. When it comes down to crunch time, can he pull out victories? Because, uh, you know, ultimately, that's all that matters. I think so, this could I, be a good conversation, though, with Shaq kind of calling him out. I mean, Shaq is a is an all, he's, he was an all-star. He has championship trophies. I mean, he's one of the most dominant big men in NBA history. And, you know, I think this could be a good learning, you know, path for for Donovan Mitchell to be like, all right, you know, look, like I can score points, but I need to distribute more. I need to become a fully working kind of renaissance man, Swiss army knife basketball player where I can do it all. And that's what will really take my game to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to, uh, you know, another finance term here, assets and liabilities, one of our favorite segments. So quick hitters, um, who is the bigger asset right now? Who's impacting the bottom line more for Tom Brady, Antonio Brown or Gronk? I know Antonio Brown didn't play last week, but I think he's going to have a unbelievable role in the Super Bowl. I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin spread the field last week um, for Green Bay. Didn't help that they were matching up with Kevin King a lot of the time. But I think Antonio Brown is going to be the, the Tyreek Hill for the Bucks for Super Bowl weekend. I think he's just okay. they're going to Gronk's going to draw a lot of focus and Antonio Brown's going to be left open. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting when I've been listening to some of the announcers this playoffs, it seems like there's a heavy emphasis on how good are the teams in the red zone. It seems like if you can punch it in with so many high-scoring offenses recently, it's can you get seven in the red zone instead of kicking field goals. The Bills kicked a bunch of field goals and they got blown out of the water. So, in that case, Gronk like, he is that red zone target. He's got seven touchdowns this year on, like, 40 catches total. Like, the, when he catches the ball, it's in the red zone, and he's scoring touchdowns. So um, I think that in, in, in and of itself makes him a bigger asset for Brady just because Antonio Brown is great, but, you know, he's got Evans and Godwin, like you said. So in terms of that big difference maker in the red zone, I think it's Gronk. But um, how, how about switching over to basketball? Um, we talked a little bit about, about Bradley Beal. He's been going off for the lowly Wizards. Maybe he's trying to show off for another team for a trade. Uh, do you think he can be an asset for a real contender? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the, what is I think in the last like ten games, he's averaging close to forty points a game. The Wizards are losing. I mean, he wants out. He desperately wants out. He wants to be on a contender. I mean, this isn't Bradley Beal doing it this year. I was actually at the game before everything happened in Milwaukee. One year ago, when the Bucks blew the Wizards out of the water and Bradley Beal put up 53 points, I cannot <laughs> tell you how many times, like in 
like just statistically that happens where an individual puts up 53 points and loses. There was also a statistic that said, I think Bradley Beal has the most 50 point games in which his team loses. And it's like four. And to think that you're putting up 50 points kind of almost like regularly and your team is losing, it's he wants out. They got to do something to make it happen or else it's just a waste of talent. Originally, they've been linked to the Heat. I think the Heat needs someone like that. They've just been slacking so far, but um, who knows if the Heat can even be a contender this year. I'd love to see um, Bradley Beal go to the Trailblazers and play alongside uh, I had that, yep. In, yep. with Dame. Yeah, yeah, I had the Blazers. I also kind of like them on the Mavericks. I checked if they've got the cap room. They've got a little bit of money, maybe maybe a, a two spots of Luka there, and then when Porzingis come back, maybe a mini big three. But I agree. He's a machine. Um, he's kind of similar to Devin Booker in the sense that they were just putting up points for terrible yeah. teams. Um, so so we'll see on that. But um, Yeah, another, another duo that was linked in trade talks this week were Lonzo Ball and Kelly Oubre. Who's the bigger asset? Who's the bigger liability? I mean, we need to have a segment each week where we take five minutes to discuss why is Kelly Oubre still in the league. I don't. I don't. It must be your friend. I forget her name. Allison. It must, Allison. It must be Allison <laughs> hyping him up through the back channels. I don't. He. I watched him last night. He single handedly blew my over. He sucks. He pulls up for threes and then gets the rebound, takes it back out, and then takes a contested jumper, misses both. He's horrible. So going Was, off that, your three yeah. point comment. I looked up the stats on it. He's shooting 22% from three-point this year. And I looked at it compared to last year. He was shooting 36%. So he is, like, you know, normally you play alongside Steph and Draymond and, like, you get better. He has gotten worse. He has statistically gotten worse playing with better players, which just shouldn't happen. His shots are probably more open. Like, the spacing on that team is incredible. You always get open shots when you play at the Warriors, but... Lonzo, Lonzo is interesting case. I think he's got a future, um, and maybe even like coming off the bench and just being a playmaker because because he can distribute, he can handle the ball, he can run an offense. It's just weird. I, I don't, I can't put my finger on it with why it doesn't fit in that offense because they do have a promising offense, but it's not working out in New Orleans. I don't think. Totally understand. And the last one of the week here uh, in the MLB. Trevor Bauer, he's been linked to the Mets. He's been linked to the Dodgers. Um, you know, what do you what do you think about him in terms of uh, would you want the Cubs to sign him or um, what what is yeah. what is he worth in your eyes? Yeah, so I, I think he's an asset. One of those guys where you love to have him, you hate to play against him, right? But I think right now he's at the highest value he'll ever have coming off that season with the Reds. Um, I think his asking price, he, he loves to, you know, inflate his own worth. Um, I think it's too high. I think so he asked for thirty or forty million dollars yeah, and it, it right. just and won't I, happen. I don't I don't want the Cubs picking him up, but like for a team that wants to go all in, the Mets with Cohen, you know, he wants to sign it, I could totally see him working out on the Mets. I mean he's he's thirty, he came off a one point seven three ERA, one point two six whip last year. Sure it was a condensed season, but Statistically, he was getting better from 2019 um, when he was traded to the Reds. Um, so I, I think he's an asset, just not right for the Cubs. All right. Moving on to our next segment, let's make a deal. Um, and we, we hinted at this earlier on, but give me your best and worst free agent or trade deal of this past week. Um, so best in a case that the – Blue Jays got Steven Matz, 
We were all over the Mets last week talking about their pitching staff and how good they're going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I looked at it, so Syndergaard's going to be coming back in like June or July from like Tommy John. And, you know, Mats and DeGrom and then Stroman were going to be the, like their big three. They just traded Mats away. And I think he's going to be a better replacement than Stroman was for the Blue Jays. I think this is the Blue Jays saying, hey, look, we're going to really make an emphasis at pitching. We're going to make an emphasis in scoring runs with Springer, Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, you know, all them, a bunch of young talent. I, I love that. Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, I'll echo that. I kind of agree for, for my worst trade deal. I just kind of want to, or free agent deal. I want to dive into this a little bit as, as Cubs fans here, some of the big news, it was one of our bigger signings in recent history, uh, since we've been, you know, tight with the bank, but Jock Peterson signs one year, $8 million deal. Um, he's a lefty slugger. I think he's in his mid to late twenties, played all of his career with the Dodgers so far. Um, essentially, he is just a replacement for Kyle Schwarber. He's the same type of hitter, strikes out a lot, hits bombs, lefty, um, isn't great in the field. Um, and so it's interesting to me, like, we let Schwarber walk uh, because we were interested probably in getting more contact hitters, someone who can move the offense along. Jock is uh, the exact opposite of that. Jock is not a contact hitter. He's the exact opposite of that. And my friend who's a Dodgers fan, he's like, oh, dang, you guys got Jock. I'm like... That's exactly who like, we dude, did. Like we don't want him. And then and then he goes and then he goes. Oh well, he hits playoff dingers. We're not making the playoffs, <laughs> so why do we need him? Like it's it's. Jock it is make- a career two thirty hitter. I looked it up in 2019, 2020 aside, in 2019 he struck out twenty five percent of the time. I am not. I do not want those odds if it's the seventh inning and you got two runners out there with two outs and. We dealt- We've dealt with that for three. We just talked about that last episode, how we can't move runners yeah. off because all we relied on were swing and misses. Imagine having Javi at three and then Jock Peterson at four. God, it's like, no, it's, we're going to get a double and then we're going to strike out twice. It's, and then, it's making a deal with the devil. I hate it. I don't think Jock is good for us. You know, I, don't, I was trying to save face showing that we'll spend money, but no. I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on. Um, Let's move on to the cookie jar segment. Most mis- misleading performance of the week. I had the Lakers losing by 15 last night to the Pistons. Braun was three assists away from a triple-double. They're still 14-6. and six. Uh, yeah. After they play the Celtics tomorrow night, they play like the Grizzlies, the Blazers, you know, the Hawks. They, they're playing some easier teams, and I'm sure they're going to bounce back from it. So that was, that was my most leading performance. What about you? Well, so just leading off that, that's what I'm saying with this um – with the 76ers team, dude, I like I could see that same thing happening to them tonight against the T-Wolves, same thing that happened to the Lakers last night. But anyways, um, most misleading performance was – it wasn't necessarily a score, but Victor Oladipo, uh, after his game, was talking to the inside the NBA crew and is claiming that he's got this mountain of chips on his shoulder, pretending like Indiana shoved him out the door and nobody wanted him. It's like, dude, you got traded – because you didn't have enough talent around you in Indiana and you gave up, essentially. And we're like, I got hurt, I'm going to come back, not try as hard, and basically say I want to trade. Like, Indiana wanted you. Like, they, they invested capital in it, you. Why he was they? the face of their franchise for a like, couple like of years. Fans, fans loved him. They weren't just going to be like, yeah, we'll trade you because we're investing for the future. Ridiculous. You gave up on the team and now you're pretending like, oh, nobody wants me. I, I, I was fed up with that. I, I totally understand. So, our... One of our last segments of the week, our Bulls and Bears. Obviously, the stock market was 
extremely bearish this week, but let's be a little bit more optimistic this week. Um, one of the things I wanted to see is, yeah, it's a give and take with the Jock signing, but the Cubs announced today that they were planning to increase their payroll, and that is what it takes to win championships in the MLB with no salary cap and with teams like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, like the Mets, you are going to have to reach into your pockets and make a deal with Monopoly Man and start putting some houses on Boardwalk Avenue. I mean, that's what it's going to take. And, you know, when I saw that... It was, here, the best, the best property are those green ones in the top right down. Boardwalk is overpriced. Uh, but anyways... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, uh, I agree. And also, they said they're going to work out Jake Arrieta, who is a uh, Chicago sweetheart. So. I saw Jake Arrieta and, um, oh, his, uh, God, his name eludes me. The... He was on the... He was traded to the Sox. He was on the uh, Giants, long hair. Um, oh, Samarja. Yes. They, they were looking Jeff at Arietta and Samarja. So two former Cubs. I mean, you know, let's, you know... It's it's yeah. on a prayer right now. No, I agree. And, and and just to add on, my most optimistic thing is we're one week closer to March Madness and they haven't canceled the basketball season. One thing I did hear this week that's scary is that I think they're I think they're saying you have to do seven days of quarantine before you come to that bubble in Indianapolis, um, which is gonna make conference tournaments uh, pretty hard logistically. So they say a lot of teams may opt out, which is gonna make March Madness crazy. Um, but pessimistic I saw an athletic report today. This is kind of random, but it, it, it buzzed up on my phone and said, "Who's going to make? Who's going to win the Super Bowl next year?" I'm like, "Who cares? We've got one of the best Super Bowl matchups." To reiterate what I was saying earlier, we've got one of the best Super Bowls in recent history. Enjoy this. Just love the fact that we have football this year, and they're already trying to tell me who the favorites are for next year. I don't want to think about that. And it's the same thing with college football rankings before the national championship. I hate it, so I didn't. I didn't like that. Yeah. So obviously, my first pessimistic thing from the week is the Packers losing. But what a <laughs> terrible, what a terrible week it would be to be Jared Goff with your head coach and offensive coordinator coming out saying that they were going to give John Wolford the. This is what I said the potential to start next year and now they're engaging in talks with the lions and now the rams have some sort of interest in matthew stafford McVay loves a hot new toy that's it he can't he has no loyalty what a bad week for jared goff uh, a bad week if you're the uh 2017 number one and number two overall picks in jared goff and carson wentz it's uh Oof. Oof. not it's not looking pretty but yeah. what, last segment uh, of the week, it's ride the bus. Uh, you Ooh, and I both, go, baby. you and I both have our have our drinks here. Um, what do you got? What do you I'm, got today? I'm well. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with you. Oh well, another. I got another Michelob. Nice. Uh, I'm yeah, gonna have to go to the store. I gotta stock up. I drank I gotta all go of them to, this week. I gotta go to CVS every time, and they have to unlock the fridge so I can get a tall boy. It's it's very awkward. It's it's very demeaning. But uh, anyways, yeah, let's ride the bus. Follow along at home if you'd like. Um, Mose, I'm going to start. Oh, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, fa- favorite over under, you have the Hawks and the Wizards. The total is 234 and a half. What do yep, you have? So I have, I have the Hawks and Wizards under 234. Hawks unders are nine and zero in January. I'm riding it. Let's, let's, let's get after it. Love the sabermetrics there. Um, and then your favorite spread, you've got Iowa versus Illinois. We talked a little bit about it. Here it's Iowa two and a half. Are you getting a different number, or is that the number? The 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 spread that I saw was was Illinois minus two and a half, Iowa plus two and a half. No love for Iowa. Luca Garza, let's go, baby! It's a classic Big Ten matchup. 
Okay. And then final one, favorite money line uh, for the weekend, OKC versus the Nets. I think this is a classic trap game. I mean, we talked about it earlier. The Nets don't have Durant. Harden and Irving are going to have to play together. It's in Harden's return to Oklahoma City. OKC is plus 230. The Nets are 1-5. I know it's against the spread, but... They're one in five against the spread in their last six, and the last time they played without Durant, it was against the Cavs, and they lost. So okay. I am all over the Thunder on this one. Love it, love it. Let's switch over to you. Favorite over under the week? Who do you got? I so Iowa Illinois. Like I said, um, I don't like the spread rivalry game, but that means it's going to be intense on the defense. I saw a number. I use two different sports books, so I like to work off each other. One of them I'm getting one sixty three at. I'm hammering the under on that. All right, yeah, that's that's a great value. You want to take it. You know, we're big money financial guys. We love finding value where no one else sees it. Uh, moving it. on, your favorite spread. Yeah, so the Hawks-Wizards tonight. Um, I hate betting on the teams I like. I like Atlanta. You know from earlier con- uh, conversations, I always bet what doesn't make sense, but this one makes too much sense. Atlanta minus 3.5 tonight. I think they locked down Beal under 32.5 points. And we're taking Atlanta on the spread. We've talked. The Wizards are absolute garbage this year. Hawks should be able to win by four points. Lastly, your favorite money line of the week. Who do you got? I'm going to the NHL. We got to break into pucks a little bit. You know, Uh, Chicago's playing the Blue Jackets tonight. They're plus 110. Uh, The Blue Jackets coming off uh, back-to-back, and they played in overtime. So I'm taking Chicago plus 110 tonight. Hammer that. All right. Love it. Give the the Hawks a little little love. We talked about how they were going to be bad, and then they all all of a sudden, like, ripped off, like, two in a row against the Red Wings. Breaking the playoffs, baby. Yeah, let's get after it. Um, Final segment. We're just going to round it out here. Uh, You know, Tampa has been – you know, this city where they got the Rays, they got the Bucks now, and they had the Lightning. Are yeah. you okay with Tampa being a championship city? No, I have a friend there I just talked to who lives in Tampa. He claims it's some, you know, up-and-coming city. I don't buy it. Um, and I also don't like that they're embracing Tom Brady now as their quarterback. He belongs in the Northeast. Uh, it's just annoying. I, You know, D.C. had a little run. That was okay. But Tampa with three sports – I'm not a fan. I'm fading Tampa Bay very hard right now. That baseball not, stadium, luckily I saw they're getting a renovation. I did see that. They need that. one desperately. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the Athletic came out and said that they're going to start doing sports betting coverage with MG, MGM Grand. I think you can maybe bet through the app. Any initial thoughts? Oh, absolutely love it. Um, it'll tie into our next segment, uh, our favorite stock, but um, – I, I think universal sports betting is definitely going to be the thing going on now. I think it's, you know, as much as I hate losing money, someone else gains money. It's what makes the economy go round. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's got to happen. It's, it, it's inevitable. All you, have to do, all you have to do is listen to two guys, two guys, one book, and then head on to your athletic app and just start hammering first half overs, baby. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> lastly, our favorite stock to round out the week. Who do you got? Quite a volatile yeah, week on Wall obviously, Street. Obviously, but. stocks are in the news this whole week, so we can't we can't go with one of our betting brethren, which is the stock market, without acknowledging it. Um, so I'm all in on Nokia right now. I didn't get in on GameStop, but on Nokia and then Penn, obviously the Barstool affiliate going to the moon. What do you think? So if you don't want to be if you if you have a, a golden moral compass and you feel like you need to stay out of this squeeze of the market and you want more of like a safe haven, I'm the real estate guy. I'm all over Pro- Prologis. 
Um, they've had a really successful uh, 2020 industrial based real estate company. They're going to be making some moves in 2021. They've had really What's strong earnings. Uh, PLD. PLD okay. is is the ticker. I'm all over them for 2021. Um, but those are those are our stocks. Those are our picks for the week. That's our sports analysis. Um, he's Austin. I'm Austin, and this is two guys, one book. <laughs>